Well, I'm going to, um, let, me, let me give you a little background on, on who I am, and uh, I'll hopefully explain some of the deficiencies as we go through. Um, yeah. <laughs> my name is Joe Bradley, and uh, I, uh, my wife, Julie, and I have been married for 24 years uh, this last May. We have three great sons. They are 23, 20, and our caboose is 11. So uh, Julie was uh, my high school sweetheart. And um, we have actually, uh, if you put all the years together, um, been together 28 years. So um, it has been, uh, it has been, she will tell you it's been an experience. I'll say it's been fun. Uh, just because I'm being recorded, so, um, but, uh, so, so, <laughs> now she, she is, she is a gem. So, um, while there are a lot of years under the, um, under the belt, I will be the first guy to tell you that, um, that I'm still learning just as though it was the first day. And so my intent here today is um, not necessarily to focus in on the on the issue of marriage, but on the on the issue of, of of investing in your wife, and from our perspective, not from hers, not from your family's, uh, but from our perspective. And so, I want to do a couple things, and then I'll pray and open us up. Um, but uh, I I I strongly believe that the word of God is the best teacher. And so uh, I'm going to have, hopefully all, you all have your Bibles with you, and I'd like, um, I'd like you to get those open and jump in. We're going to read a lot of different scriptures. I've got some of those written down, and there's, there's a handout that you're welcome to have after we're done that has some of those scriptures on them, because you know what? It's my prayer, and as I've walked through this, um, this little uh, study, it's my prayer that, that if, if only one of these scriptures impacts you, that it does just that, and that it changes your, your marriage for the better. So somebody, uh, somebody do me a favor and uh, turn to 2 Timothy 3.16 and read 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. Oh, you got, you got mics? Okay, so pick up a mic and, and uh, preferably one that works. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Bryce? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, good. So, so what's it good for? What's the word of God good for? Everything. Okay? And particularly as we are being taught and as God is revealing um, our, our sanctification process. You know, the scriptures also talk about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's what I want to do here today. Somebody um, um, open the book of Ephesians and read uh, Ephesians 5.25 if you would please. Grab a mic too. Daryl? Uh-huh. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay? That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time today. And then um, whoever was in 2 Timothy there, if you're still there, go to chapter 4, verse 7. And guys, ultimately, this is the goal for all of us, whether it's in our marriage, in our walk with Christ, whatever it looks like. But 2 Timothy 4, 7, right? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Yeah. So let me, um, let me pray for us, huh? Lord, uh, you are, are the teacher. And so, God, I pray that, uh, that as we uh, look at your word and uh, look at this whole topic on investing in our wives, that you would, uh, you would be our teacher. And, uh, God, that you would uh, penetrate our hearts, soften us. God, that you would give us uh, ears to hear and eyes to see that the wife that you have given us is a perfect gift from you. God, we love you. We pray for our time together, that it would be transparent and interactive. Uh, and God, that we would keep our focus on you. So God, we love you. We thank you for the time. In Jesus' name. Okay, so let's go back and look at that passage in Ephesians 5.25. Somebody, um, again, let me, just, let me just restate that. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so, guys, this is real interactive. Typically, we don't have this many guys in a, in a workshop. It's usually a bunch of guys sitting around in a, in a circle of chairs. So um, talk, talk to me. I like, I like to interact. So talk to me about what loving your wife as Christ loved the church looks like. What's that look like in our lives? How did Christ love the church? I mean, let's get down to the, to the nitty-gritty. Derek? Okay. Unconditional? Okay. Sure, yeah. If, if you've got a mic near you, that'd be great. Christ understands us. And we need to put time into understanding how we can help develop our wives in a godly way. Okay. Good. What else? The verse says, Husband, love, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So ultimately, the, the greatest thing that Christ has done for the church or the body of Christ is what? Yeah, put them first. He gave himself up for her. So, guys, as we look at that, I'd like you to, I'd like you to pragmatically ask yourself, am I doing that in my relationship with my wife? Am I, am I willing to give myself up for her? Yeah. I don't know how many of you have... Um read a book called Love and Respect mm-hmm. by Emerson Egrichus. Incredible Christian man and wife. But uh, Men are not wired to love. Men are, men are wired to respect and seek respect. Women are wired to love, give love, receive love. So into, if we have to learn to love our wife, we have to learn the language of and the process of loving, which for some men, and certainly was for me, the way I was raised, 
is a, was a difficult lesson to learn, and I'm, as you, I am learning it day to day. And fortunately, my loving wife has helped me learn how to love her because she's finally bold enough and brave enough to express herself. Mm. You have to listen to what resonates with them and how they want to and need to be loved. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference. There's a huge difference. There is. Good, good love and respect. Yeah, love and respect. Good, good observation. How, um, who, who in here is in the, in the financial services or the investment business? Anybody here? Okay. Help me, um, as, you, as you look at an investment uh, for yourself or a client, um, tell me some of the things that you look for in, in the investment. Okay. What 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 kinds of things do we invest in? Real estate, homes, land, commercial, um, stocks, bonds, hedge funds. Say that again. Gold coins. Gold coins yep. Um, how about our careers? How about cars, clothes? So this verse says, "Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church." And gave himself up for her. So as we look at investing in our wife, what, what goes into an investment? Doug, as, as, you're, um, as you're looking at analyzing an investment, what, how do you pursue that investment? What, what's that look like? Yep. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes to the expense of yourself. Because the the ultimate goal for all of us, as we look at an investment, is is what return on investment (ROI). Right. So as we look at that, we are looking at time and energy and research, um, resources, both financial and emotional, and physical. I gotta tell you what, I can, I can tell you many a nights that I've stayed up working on something that I'm investing on in for the next day, and I'm, I'm punishing my body staying up to do that. So, stages of investment. Let's talk about that. Um, there's the preliminary area where you, uh, where you do all that research, where you spend the time, you put the physical and emotional and mental energy into that. Um, and then, the, then you make the investment. So the investment is in-house, if you will. Okay? So as we look at that with our wives, and we've made the investment, you courted her, you did just about everything you could to impress her. You showed yourself worthy, much like a financial investment. You have to show yourself physically and emotionally incapable of carrying through with that investment. Right? So, so we're there. Let's talk about, um, let's, let's talk real, real briefly. Somebody, as, as you're in Ephesians there, go to verse 28. Somebody read verse 28 for me and grab a mic if you would. Ephesians 5:28. Yep. So, Trevor over there? Oh, you don't have a mic. So. Bryce, somebody, go for it. Bryce, one, 
So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Okay. Go on to 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay. So let him, let him love his wife as, in, as his own self. Okay. So guys, are you, are you doing that? What, what does that look like? Just briefly, just some application. In your lives, how are you loving your wife as, as though you're loving yourself? Thoughts? Sure. Yeah, we could be rhetorical. Listening. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Good. Good point. So, so, so maybe it's quantity of time to get the quality of time. You know, the the world's big on cliches of uh, quality, not quantity. Well, I got to tell you what I've I've experienced that to get the quality, you've got to have the quantity. Let me also let me and we're we're hitting kind of kind of 50,000 foot view here too but let me suggest that that our response to investing in our wives is is the only thing that we have control over the results are not ours okay so let me let me back up a little bit and talk more about response is everything write that down response is everything so as you look at your relationship with your wife, response is everything. The results are God's, but my response is what I have control over. Would you agree? Somebody read um, Colossians. Turn to the book of Colossians and read Colossians 4, verse 6. Okay, Sean. Okay. My my version says says very similar. It says let your speech always be be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you would how you should respond to each person. So as you look at that, as you look at that passage, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. To me, that indicates that, uh, that we ought to be doing a lot of listening, that we ought to um, temper sometimes our words. I don't know about you, but for me, that, that is, is oftentimes a difficult thing. You ever, you ever uh, talk before you think? Well, men want to fix things. Exactly. Women want to be listened to. Yep. Not necessarily fixed. Exactly. If you figure that out pretty soon, you're going to be straight for Exactly. Yep. Good stuff. That's good. Good. Go to go back to the book of Ephesians and somebody read Ephesians 4:29 for me. 
I want to talk a little bit about, about this. Grab a, grab a mic when you get there, if you would. Trevor? Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Yeah. And, and is it, Ted, great, great illustration to your point you just made. Our wives want to be listened to. What's that says? I may give grace to those who hear. And I always go back to, and it's a simple, you know, it's a simple uh, thing, but that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. And, you know, guys, i got to tell you what, I get that backwards more times than I get it forwards. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only as such is good for edification. That word edification literally means to build up. Literally means to build up. So as we look at our wives and we're looking at investing in them, look at your wife as a construction project. Okay? And you look at a building that goes up. Let's, let's go back to the, to the Twin Towers. How many years did it take for them to construct the Twin Towers? Several. It was piece by piece going up by a crane with lots of effort. Many, many human resource hours put into that. And how long did it take for those to come down? A couple hours, huh? So, from your mouth, let no unwholesome word proceed, but only such as a word for, that is good according to the need of the moment. Guys, if we go back to that, that passage in, in Colossians, let your, your speech always be seasoned. Always with grace, so that you may know how to respond to the other person. So there's, temper, there, there's temperament there. Guys, there's also salt. You've got to understand that salt is uh, also retards spoilage. It's a, it's a, it's, it preserves. So let your, your speech be seasoned with grace. So, as guys, as we have an opportunity to respond to our wives, and that is what we've got control over, the way I look at it is the, the status of my relationship, and I don't want to go here, okay, because this is a whole other talk, but the status of my relationship, I have the ability to be obedient and respond in a manner that's pleasing and glorifying to God, and that's my responsibility. Right? We, we're together. How she responds is up to her and, her and God. Would you agree? Okay. Let me, let me suggest to you that, that our response, that loving, the, loving, loving your wife as Christ loved the church, that that... That is application for you and I. And so I can't go to Kevin and say, 
You know what, Kevin? Um, outside of the outside of the commandments of God, I can't go to Kevin and say, "Gosh, you know what? I don't think you're spending enough time with your wife. Um, you know, I don't think you're loving her as Christ loved the church." That's between Kevin and his God. So as I look at that, as I look at that whole issue of, of response, let's talk about let's talk about just some investment techniques, if you will. So as we as we look at that, Doug, what are some some investment techniques that you use? Yeah, yeah. And I think your last point, you, you, you look at the overall market as it is. You look at it where it is today. Guys, you put a ton of energy into courting and dating your wife of today. You spend a lot of time getting to know her, getting to know what she likes and what she dislikes. A lot of resource, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of finances. I mean, I've mean, I got to tell you what, I spent some serious bucks on pizza. I know that. So, as you look at that, are you doing that today? And let me suggest that your wife is one of your greatest assets. Okay? Are you investing in her today what you invested in her to get her to be your wife? And what does that look like? Just some, just some thoughts. Know, know everything about, and this, is, this isn't just your wife, but... Do you know everything there is to know about your wife? Are you interested in her? It's like Ted said. You know what? Are you asking her questions? Are you talking to her? Pragmatically, what does that look like? I've got to tell you what. I get home from a day where I've, I've talked and talked and talked, and, and Julie has, is starved for it. She's been, you know, uh, for, for quite a few years, I mean, it was little kids. Now it's now it's now she's got four boys in the house. It's our three sons and me, and so she's typically starved for some adult conversation. So we go out and take walks, and I got to tell you what—that's about the last thing in the world I want to do—is go take a walk and talk. But you know what? If she's the greatest asset that I have that God has given me, then I'm going to invest in her, and I want to learn about her, and I want to. Ha- I want to learn what makes her tick. Because you know what? Just like me, she's, she's different than she was 24 years ago. She's different than she was 28 years ago. Which means that I have to be a student of hers. So I have to, I have to watch her. What, what does she like to do? Where does she like to go? I, gotta, I don't know about you guys, but I am the typical guy. I hate going to the mall. I hate going clothes shopping. But you know what? Julie likes to do that stuff. And that's typically because I've got three sons that are a lot like me. They don't like to go either. So that's alone time that I can get with her, and I can listen, and we can talk, and she can get her 50,000 words in. I mean, no, seriously, guys. I mean, I say that, I say that facetiously, but they, women love to, they love to talk. That's it. They're communicators. They're the relationship people, not us. They understand this deal. We've got no clue. And then am I going to show myself worthy of 
the perspective investment. And guys, I think this is where God has most convicted me in my life. Am I going to show myself worthy of that asset that God's given me? And how do I do that? What does that look like? And let me suggest that the most appealing man or husband is the guy that has got his head and his heart in the Word of God every day. Somebody go to Jeremiah 9:23 and 24. And we Winston touched on this last night. Maybe somebody's got it memorized. Anybody have that memorized? Wow, me neither. Bob? Oh, Bob? Wow, you going to try it? Grab it. Okay, somebody, somebody grab it in, 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 the, in the form. And who's there? Okay, Kevin? Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus is the Lord. Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not a mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boasts of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Yeah. That he knows and understands me. Guys, let me tell you that, that in, in my house, in most of the houses that I observe, one of the most appealing things in a husband is a, is a guy that is seeking God, that, that is seeking to know and understand God. And, you know, the old, the old cliche, it's caught, not taught, I, w- I would agree wholeheartedly with. But am I going to show myself worthy of the asset that God's given me. And how do I do that? How do I invest in my wife? And let me suggest again to you, and we've talked about this, that it, that it is not the quality of time you have with her, but the quantity of time. Because you can't get the quality time without the quantity, without going to the mall. Some of the best talks we've had have been going and coming from the mall, not necessarily there because there's some distraction, but... Um, but that is, that is typically, and on our walks. And guys, I've got to tell you, there are, th- there are things that I don't um, necessarily, they wouldn't be my first choice to do. So, Kevin, got a thought? If I hear you right, I mean, 1 Corinthians 7 says, um, but I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is, is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world and how he may please his wife. I've always interpreted that as a negative thing, whereas if I'm listening to you, you're actually saying that's actually a good thing because that's an investment into my life. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys, do you, um, pragmatically, do you go to church where you want to go to church or do you go where she wants to go? Do you go to eat where you want to go or where she wants to go? Okay, okay. Is it is it is it ESPN or HGTV? Guys, it is. But but why do we do that? We laugh about that. But why do we do that? What what is what is the return on investment? Right? Exactly. 
we stand in front of God. If I can stand in front of God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Man, I've got to tell you what. It is an obedience issue. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, we can go all day about how, well, she said this and she did that and it's, she's making it hard. But guys, ultimately, it is up to each of us right here. It is an individual issue between us and Jesus. I had a guy tell me years ago, he said, you never have a problem with another person. Your problem is not horizontal. Your problem is vertical. So if you've got a problem at home, your problem isn't at home. Your problem is vertical. Your problem's with God. So guys, um, let's, let's talk. Daryl, you got a, got a thought? Um, one of the things that, that we were talking about capacity um, versus just being there but having capacity. And, and one of the things that, that I realized, and I've been married for 14 years, that I just realized in the last six months is it's not just what I say, but it's how I react because mm. my wife is very attuned to my how I respond to things. Mm. And I've, you know, I've been with her 20 years and I've just realized that. But it is it's being aware of how you listen and what you do with your facial expressions you're sitting there it, it is it is difficult but the the payback is huge and it's not just what you say it's it's how you react and i think that's part of capacity because if you're not really in the in the conversation you're not aware of not only what she's doing but what you're doing exactly exactly Yep. God truly gave them two ears. They hear everything. I got to tell you what the the one of the greatest listeners I know is is my wife Julie. She's incredible. Incredible. She hears things I don't even say. <laughs> Guys, okay. I want to I want to read. I want I want to. Let me hand out some, some verses, if you would. And so let's, let me, um, who will take Proverbs 15.1? And then we'll read these all together. Doug? Okay. Uh, Proverbs 17.27. Daryl? Okay. How about Proverbs 29.11? Sean? Okay. Um, okay. Uh, and then how about Matthew 23.11 through 12? Okay, so who's got uh, who's got Proverbs fifteen one? Okay, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Guys, I got to tell you what this this goes back to the verse we first read that that the best teacher. Is the word of God. I mean, how, how much easier does it get than that? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 17:27. Who's got that? Daryl? He who restrains his word, words has knowledge. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Yeah. 
He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Kind of goes back to that whole issue of, of, of tempering your words with salt, right? How about Proverbs 29.11? Who's got that one? Sean, you got that one? You need a mic in front of you there? Do, do you mind if he, he sits on your shoulders? <laughs> okay. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Ooh, a fool. My, my, my version said, I like that version. So read that again, would you? And lean over. <laughs> a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Yeah, a fool vents all his feelings. Wow. You ever seen that? Guys, I've got to tell you what. And I laugh about this because this very easily could have been me. Julie and I are in the Sonic drive-up line. Not, not here, but back in Colorado Springs when we lived there. And we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and the guy in front of us is sitting at the, at the speaker. And he's waiting, and he's waiting, and you can see him getting anxious, and you can see him getting perturbed. Pretty soon, you see him reach into his back seat, and he pulls out a 7-iron from his bag of golf clubs that is sitting there, and starts beating on the speaker saying, Hello, hello, anybody here? So a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds back. Wow. Okay. How about uh, Matthew twenty three, eleven through twelve? Who's got who took that one? Anybody? Sure, Trevor. Matthew 23:11-12. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Yeah. Thanks. So, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. So, as we look at guys, if we look at leadership, and and by the way, if you jump a couple verses back up in, in Ephesians 5. Um, it talks about the leadership of the man in, that, in the home. As we look at leadership, who is the greatest leader that's ever walked this earth? Jesus. And why? Because he was the greatest servant. Okay? So if we're investing in our wife, looking for a return on investment, which, by the way, I don't, I don't see a guarantee of that. But if that is our intent, and if we are being obedient to God's word, then, our, then we're going to be a servant. Let me, let me, let me share something with you that, that, I, that I heard said years ago, and it resonates today. You know what? I have no problem serving my wife. What I have a problem with? is her viewing me as her servant. Think about that. I have no problem serving my wife. What I have a problem with is her viewing me as her servant. 
So it sounds like a little ego in there, doesn't it? Mixed in. But what does that what does that verse say? But the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Let me let me suggest to you too, and again, going back to, to Ted's comments earlier, that serving our wives and investing in our wives is a decision. It is a mindset. It is an act of our will. Let me tell you that, and and we'll open it up for some questions and so forth, but that on a daily basis, that Julie, I know, prays for God's intervention in my life. And l- let me tell you that um, that, that is a, a great example of God's grace. She prays for me physically. She prays for me emotionally and spiritually. She cares for me. She's traveled this journey with me. And I've got to tell you what, it has been a roller coaster. She's not just an investment that was hot when she was young, and she was. But a godly woman who has become even more beautiful today. But guys, it is, it is time, like real estate is location, location, location. It's time, time, time. Response is everything. Do you see your wife as an asset? Or do you see her as a liability? Again, let me suggest to you that that is a mindset. That that is a decision for you. And let me, let me go so far as to say, and we'll jump out on a, on a limb that I really don't want to travel too far, but if you no longer love your wife, it's because you don't want to love her. And understand that if you don't love your wife as Christ loved the church, in Ephesians 5.25 there, that you are being willfully disobedient and that one day you will have to give an account. So guys, the, the question is, is are we going to invest in our, in our, in our wives? Again, individually, as you look at yourself, are you in the Word on an individual basis? Are you sharing what God's doing in your life with her? And then, probably as important or more more so, asking her what God's doing in her life. Are you praying together? i got to tell you what, guys. I had a guy ask me that years ago, after we'd been married probably a dozen years. And it was convicting because we weren't. I gotta tell you what, that's one of the greatest things you can do is pray with your wife. And and to add to that with your family. Are you encouraging her? And like an investment, are you finding things that she's good at? 
on a daily basis? Are you watching the program she'd like to see? Are you eating where she prefers? Is it HGTV or ESPN? How about living where she's always wanted to? About letting her drive the car that she wants to drive. Guys, we, we, make, we make mountains out of molehills. Pick your battle, but pick it very carefully. And then let me, let me suggest this, and this is, a, this is one of those deals that don't go home and do this because everybody will say, well, you, you did that at the retreat. One of the things that I did years ago, and it was probably one of the most humiliating and humbling experiences of my life. But I sat my family down, and I did that with all of them. And all of them could write, so you're going to have to, you know, uh, ebb and flow with, with the little, little guys and gals. But I asked them to write, write out on a 3 by 5 card and then give it back to me. One thing that you wish Dad wouldn't do. One thing. Man, guys, I've got to tell you what, that is convicting. And then, and then before you do that, be willing to change. Guys, I had a, I had a uh, both my folks have been, been gone, been, have passed away. Um, and uh, my mom and I were, were very similar personality. And we hit heads like this all the time. And so I was praying, I was in an accountability group one time. And I said, gosh, you guys, you know what? Here's what I need you to pray for. Pray that God would change my mom's heart. And one of the guys out of love and, and, and respect for me said, Joe, you know what? That's the wrong prayer. He said, the prayer ought to be that God changes your heart. Pray that God changes my heart. Because, guys, going back to response is everything... We have control over our response. We don't have control over hers. If God's going to change the relationship, I've got to be the guy that that starts it. I'm the servant. I'm the one that's willing to wash the feet. I'm the one that's willing to get up in the middle of the night with the kids. I'm the one that's willing to go to the mall to watch HTGTV or whatever it's called. And then let me make one, one final point, and we'll just open it up for some questions if you guys have questions or comments, is are you grateful for your wife? Are you grateful for her? Did you know that, that the wife you have is the perfect wife? Gratefulness is a, um, is a tough thing when you really think about it sometimes. But are you grateful for your wife? How are we investing in that asset, that also important asset that God has given us? Thoughts, questions, comments? Want to go to break early? Bob Merwin. It escapes me the name of the national organization that does all the surveys. Barna. No, not, it's not a Christian organization. Oh, uh-huh. Gallup. Gallup, okay. Uh-huh. The Gallup poll did a research uh, to find out uh, that 
and you, you talked about, you know, should we be, that we should be praying with our wives. Their research discovered that, and obviously it's going to be Christians that are praying with their wives, but those, those Christians, and led by the men, that, that prayed with their wives, the divorces had a rate of almost 1 in 1,200. Hmm. Not 1 in 2. Right. 1 in 1,200. 1 in 1,200, yeah. So when you talked about praying with your wife, we, we can, I mean, if we really want to get in sync, and if we want to really come to, you cannot have a relationship with a spouse that you're praying with on a real consistent basis. That's right. Good good observation. And guys, I would encourage you that that's not just with your spouse, that that's with your family. One of the greatest things that God, through circumstances years ago, and I was telling a guy about this this morning, did for, for our family, is brought us together in prayer through a number of different circumstances. We do it literally every night. At, you know, whoever's bedtime is the earliest. And now that only one of us, one of them has a bedtime, it's typically about 8.30. But you know what? The older guys still come. When they're home, they still look forward to it. And we all climb in and, and jump on the bed and we talk, about, we talk about what's going on in each other's life. If you want to know your wife's heart, pray with her. More importantly... If you want to let her see your heart, pray with her. Guys, it will revolutionize your family. When we used to come down here to see Winston and Judy um, before we moved here, uh, we'd stay with them. And they have a a, a gorgeous patio home. Um, But, I mean, literally, we are packed in there like sardines. But you know what? As a family... Before the little guy would go to bed every night, we'd all come together and pray. Now, let me tell you that sometimes those turned into hour and a half sessions because somebody would walk in and you could tell there was something bothering them. What's going on? Sweetheart, what's going on? How are you? Oh, gosh, I had a rough day. The whole family got, gets to go through that process. That is one of the greatest things that we have done as a family and as a team is prayed together. So, other thoughts? Comments? So, investing in your wife. Response is everything. Guys, I, I, I can't stress that enough. And that and response takes time. And remember, time is not just... Time is... As we think about our words, it's taking the time to think about the words before we... Before we speak them. Somebody um, who's, who's still got their Bible open. Luke 9.23. Somebody, somebody read that. that. That is a verse that God has really been... I, you know, I, I've had that verse taught and in front of me for years and years and years. And God has just been using that to reveal amazing things lately. Somebody read that. You got a mic? Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Yeah. So, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Guys, if we're going to serve our wives and invest in their lives and those of our families, 
It goes on and on and on. We're going to deny ourselves. And it's not just walking into the mall and saying, oh, gosh, I really don't need a new pair of jeans. It is denying ourselves emotionally and physically and financially and serving them. God, change me. That's, that's the key. Change me. So let me pray for us, huh? Lord, uh, thank you for the uh, day and the time. God, we love you. We are so grateful for our, our wives. God, they are indeed an asset, and we know how valuable they are to you. God, as you've uh, told us in Ephesians 5.25, that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. God, I pray and I beg of you that you would show each of us individually what that looks like. God, that we would uh, take your word that we've read today and put that into application in our own lives. That we would realize the power of our tongue and the power of time in our response. God, we, uh, we love you. We are uh, men that are uh, fragile. And, uh, God, we need you so very desperately. We pray that you would uh, work a wonderful thing in our marriages. And that uh, you and you alone would get the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good. Thanks, guys.